Welcome to the geek to geek podcast where Beige might be feeling better. I think I'm Void and I'm here with my co-host Beige. How you doing? I'm better than I was. I can stand up yesterday, so that's progress. Hey, your voice is your own. Good. Today we are talking about Netflix originals, which we've been wanting to get to for some time. Um, And I think we both have just like slowly over the past couple years been watching more and more of the Netflix originals content as the Netflix. I mean, if you guys don't know, like Netflix is making a ton of original content and part of it is in response to they are slowly losing other people's content as like all of these other, you know, content creators, media creators have realized that maybe they should like take ownership of their own shows. So now you're seeing all these spin-off networks like I know CBS has a streaming thing that's launching sometime around when the new Star Trek comes out. Um but like all of these individual channels that have their own individual streaming networks and Netflix is just it's still just the king of everything and they yeah. realized that they were starting to lose content so they started making their own content and there's so much out there now so we wanted to talk about it a little bit so in general yeah Bij, what do you like think about it how do you approach it what are your feeling towards Netflix originals for the most part Netflix originals are the only reason we really keep a Netflix subscription because they do keep losing so many movies they keep losing a lot of TV shows to other streaming services And because they're willing to pay for it, because that draws the, you know, the subscribers to them. But the Netflix originals, I tend to go through phases on where I will completely ignore any of the new releases that come out. You know, House of Cards season four, I haven't even seen yet. I've watched, uh, I haven't seen the new Oranges, the new Black season, like the last two seasons of it. But when I decide to go do it, I will binge all of it at the same time. Like that is, I'll just go straight through it. That now the Marvel ones are different. I tend to go through them. I'm especially now that I've finished up Daredevil, I'll be going through them. But I love the original series that they do, but I don't keep up with them at release outside of just a handful of them. Okay, yeah. For me, Netflix originals, I I think I get more excited for them than like anything on network TV at all. And part of it might be because binge watching. Like that's how I prefer to watch my TV now. I would rather really invest in one show and watch it back to back until I'm done with it instead of watching like one episode every week while I'm watching five other things one episode every week like I really don't like that model of network TV anymore where they just drag it across a whole season and the other thing is like usually on network TV uh, a full season is like 22 episodes yeah whereas on Netflix it's like 10 or you know 10 to 15 the thing is it's like every time you watch on Netflix show that episode feels like it really has a purpose. Whereas network TV has so much filler to fill those 22 weeks or whatever it is that I get so bored of it. Like, I think that's one of the reasons that I fell off of the flash, even though I liked it in the beginning, it just, it had too many filler episodes. So I love when a Netflix season lands and I can watch it in, you know, if I don't have a whole lot going on, you can watch it. I can watch it in like two days. If I do have a lot going on, I can watch it over the course of a week. But the thing is like, I'm fully invested in one narrative all the way through And my mind can like focus all the way on that. And I love that about it. And I'm halfway between there because that's what I love about Netflix originals too, is that I'm watching one super long movie kind of where, you know, you're binging it, you're getting through, you're invested in this one cohesive narrative. But I also really look forward to some network TV, but it's not dramas. I don't keep up with a single hour long drama on network TV that does episodic week by week 
you know, releases. I do sitcoms that way. New Girl and Brooklyn Nine-Nine specifically. I watch those every week. And it's one of those where it's kind of a high point that I look forward to these these funny things during the week at a certain time. But I'm not, because I'm invested in those shows, but I'm not watching any of these long, you know, hour-long dramas that do that. I do those when they come out on Netflix or Hulu or whichever one has the season of it. I watch them that way. I want to watch the the dramas all at once, but the sitcoms, kind of the episodic humor, I really like looking forward to that every week. And, you know, there have been a couple on Hulu where I feel like the Netflix not the Netflix the the network almost like shoots itself in the foot because there are shows where they will only keep the last five that have been on air yeah. on Hulu so there have been shows where I was like oh I really want to watch that and by the time I get around to it they're on like episode 10 which means mm-hmm. they have episode 5 through 10 and there's no way for me to watch episode 1 and then I forget about it and I just give up and I never go back to that show and that has and happened to me way, a lot yeah it's happened to me a lot too and even when you're paying for Hulu even when you're on the Hulu Plus subscription it they do it too where it's just the networks doing it rather than the streaming services but I do really – have you ever seen any of the Amazon or Hulu originals? Because outside of Netflix, they really do some good shows. I really like a lot of the Hulu and Amazon originals that, that I almost look forward to those as much or more than I do Amazon or the Netflix ones themselves. Um, I haven't found any that have hooked me yet, but I'm sure it's just a matter of time. It's like Netflix is spending so much money to bring so many yeah. shows that uh, – you know, I looked up before this episode, I looked up how many Netflix originals there are, and it is astronomical. Like, if you actually go look up the list, there are so many you've never heard of, and that's why they have so many hits, is because they just have a huge breadth of content, so they're yeah. guaranteed to have some hits in there. And It cry cry. Yeah, yeah. So Hulu and Amazon don't have nearly the amount no. that Netflix does, and I think that's why none of them have hooked me, but if they keep investing in their own unique content, I'm sure it's just a matter of time. There's going to be something that comes up on Amazon or Hulu Originals that I get hooked on. I, I just haven't yet. Does that make I'm sense? I'm looking forward to The Tick on Amazon. That's one that I really, really look forward to because I love The Tick. I don't know how you'll like it because you're not nearly as much into the absurdity side of television as I am. So I'm not sure if The Tick is your kind of superhero show. I actually and watched on... the first one of that. It's oh, out. did you? Yeah, they, they do on Amazon, if you guys don't know, they do a lot of yeah. like um, pilot episodes where they will put forth a ton of pilots and have people vote on them, or you just vote by watching. They see whichever mm-hmm. ones were watched the most, and then that determines which ones get turned into a full series. So the last time they did a round of those, I watched a ton of pilots, and one of them was The Tick, and it was it, it was borderline. I might like it or I might not. I needed another episode or two, and they only right. had the first one, so I had no idea. Have you ever watched The Old Tick? You know, get, this is getting off topic, but the old tick with Patrick Warburton as the tick is, is hilarious. That the cartoon one? No, that's the live action one. Okay, I've watched some of the cartoon one when I was a kid, and that's all I remember. I don't remember much about it at all. The live action one is ridiculous, and it was on Netflix the last time I looked, but it's hilarious. You should at least give it a shot because it is truly absurd and silly. <laughs> okay, well, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on like Amazon and Hulu going forward. I, I guess I was yeah. going to say the only other. A network that's putting out content that I look forward to as much as Netflix is HBO. And HBO is super, super limited in scope. I, I It's really yes. only Game of Thrones and Westworld at this point. But hopefully mm-hmm. there are more. 
Um, HBO has hit shows every once in a while. I mean, if you go back further, there are other ones that I thought were amazing, like Band of Brothers, things like that. Sopranos um, was super good. And I never got into that one, but I, I know a lot of people love that one. So, yeah, HBO makes really good content, too. That's really the only other TV that I get like hyped for the way that I do for yeah. some of Netflix originals. Yeah, that's kind of the way I am. Like I said, some sitcoms, but I used to get super into TV. Like TV was my thing about eight years ago whenever I was going through. I mean, I was, that's what I did for work and school as I was a TV scholar. And whenever I got out of doing that and realized that academics wasn't really, you know, my life's thing, I kind of dropped out at the same time that a lot of the TV shows like Lost and Fringe and, and those kinds of, of serialized narratives went out of the way for more procedurals. I just kind of lost interest in television as a whole and wanted more stuff like Netflix is doing. Yeah, and it makes me wonder, like, how much trouble the main networks are in. Um, yeah. You know, we know that, like, cable keeps losing subscribers every month, basically, yep. now at this point. But there are network executives, and now I'm talking, like, broadcast networks, uh, where they say that they haven't yet reached peak TV, is what they call it. Mm -hmm. You know, they can keep adding more scripted shows every year or more unique runs of tv and yeah yeah it'll just be interesting to watch over time like how uh, i think it's inevitable that cable channels are going to start decreasing here sometime in the next couple years but uh -huh. i wonder how the big networks like abc nbc um fox you know the ones that broadcast over the air i wonder what they're going to do long time i wonder if they're going to reassess and see what netflix is doing and try to adjust accordingly because right now i just don't care about anything on network tv um but yeah, we, we kind of talked about that a little bit. I did want right. to say, I looked into it just a little bit. I didn't do a ton of research before the episode, but it looks like Netflix is, I saw some conflicting reports, but I saw like quadrupling their content in this next Gosh. year. Yeah. I don't, I can't even fathom that number of shows. Like to be honest, with as many as they have through this comedy specials and all of that, quadrupling it, I do not see how that is going to be humanly possible, like even for a company of that size. Right. So the research I did, and again, I, I only looked at a couple sources. I could be off here by numbers, but it looked like it was about $6 billion of new content this year. <laughs> and, that, <sighs> and that includes over 600 hours of new Netflix originals is what it said. So the $6 billion in content, some of that is still buying movies and shows from existing companies, but 600 hours at least is Netflix originals. Oh, and man. Just as an example that I saw, which I thought was interesting, was The Crown, because that was one that I really liked this year. Right. They said um, after that first season was success, The Crown was picked up for a full run of six seasons. So it's 10 episodes each. Wow. So 60 episodes total. And every episode is averaging a budget of $2.5 million, which is huge. Uh, yeah. That, that's a huge show. That's crazy. I mean, I've heard really good things about that, not even from just you who, who you know, you were talking about how great it was. I've heard from so many people that it's great, but I didn't realize it was that good enough to pick up for six seasons already. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, it sounds like they're going to cover the Queen's whole life and we'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm I finished season one and I immediately wanted season two, which is always okay. a good sign. You know, when you it want is. the next thing right away. So that was cool. Um, I think let's just get into some of the shows that we wanted to talk about. So yeah. I kind of made a list here of everything that I know you and I've talked about before and right. a couple others that I've heard a lot of people talk about, even if you and I haven't watched them just so we could touch on them. So before we dive into all the others, I thought 
we should probably talk about the Netflix MCU because we've talked yeah. about it so much in the past and we don't have to dive super deep because you can listen to all the past episodes where we've talked about many, many MCU things. Mm-hmm. But what do you think overall? I am so crazy about it where I almost like the Netflix MCU better than the feature the feature length main MCU because the characters are so good that they've done such a good job on characterization and making Hell's Kitchen feel like a real place that I just love it. I've finally caught up with all of it. I finally watched Daredevil season one and season two uh, really fairly recently over Christmas break here and I'm all in. I keep wanting to go back and rewatch it all from the beginning with like Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and just go straight through it all once again. I can't wait for the defense and the Punisher still on the fence about Iron Fist because I'm I just once they got into the hand stuff in Daredevil season two that was the stuff I didn't care as much about with the mystical martial arts stuff so we'll see how much I like Iron Fist but I'm pretty sure that I'm going to like it even if I'm not you know obsessive with it like I was with Jessica Jones yeah and I still think Jessica Jones is the best one they've put out it's really good and I agree. I think I'm most excited for the Defenders, even though I, I like Luke Cage. I like Daredevil um, season two a lot more than season one, but season mm-hmm. one was OK. Um, I liked everything they've put out so far, which leads me to believe that like everything they keep putting out, I will like mm-hmm. in some respect or another. Eventually, there's right. going to be one that's obviously less than the others. And I'm worried that it might be Iron Fist. But again, I'm just going to reserve my judgment until it actually yep. comes out and we get a chance to see it. But I'm definitely excited for the Defenders. I want to see the three characters that we really know so far, you know, Luke Cage, Daredevil, and Jessica Jones all working together. And hopefully Iron Fist fits in well. I mean, you know, it's the same showrunners. It's the same people planning this. Hopefully it all just works out. And then the Punisher, like, I didn't care about the Punisher at all. Even a little bit. No. No, no, before I watched Daredevil Season 2, and now I am maybe the most excited to see the Punisher standalone series. Yeah. And that's really strange for me because in the comics, I know I said this uh, when we were when I was talking about finishing up Daredevil season two. I hate the Punisher. I do not like reading his comics. I don't like reading about him in the comics. The fact that they put him in the Spider Gwen comics as a as a recurring character, I hate it because I just hate Frank Castle. But watching him in Daredevil season two made me anxious to get to the live action show on on Netflix because it's going to be good because they did new things with the character they made me care about him and see how pathetic he kind of is and just how wonderful that story can be when you handle it from a human perspective okay so outside of the mcu let's just start getting into our list i put down terrace house have you heard of this one i've never even heard of this when i saw it on the list i was like what so i put it in here as an example because this is one that i watched a little bit of and it wasn't my cup of tea but i had it recommended to me from a ton of different people and uh, like i just i couldn't get into it but it's a netflix original and it's there and i know that people like it so it's basically kind of the setup for almost like real world except it's set in japan so it's a very different cultural Hmm. approach to it and they don't lock them in the house they give them like a house and a car but they all kind of live in the area anyway so they all just go about their normal lives but they come back to the same house they live in the same house together at night and they live together for like a month or a couple months or something like that and 
it's just about you know the drama that comes from anybody living together so it felt very real worldy yeah but i just want to put it on here because it's interesting that netflix is even getting into reality tv in this way this is the first yeah. example i saw of what i would think of as like more traditional reality tv and it, it wasn't straight up traditional they have like um commentators that they cut a, a cut away to who comment on the people and the relationships and all that and it is very japanese in a bunch of ways so it's not a straight up thing that we would see here in america but yeah. it is more towards the side of reality tv than anything else that i saw on netflix so i just thought it was interesting that it was a thing that exists already they're already into reality tv yeah that has never even popped up on netflix for me at all i've i don't even recall seeing anything about it seeing the thumbnail for it nothing for this one that one has completely bypassed our uh, our lists completely well, yeah, and then I guess the other thing that I haven't watched a ton of, but my wife has, and I know that there are tons and tons of them out there, are comedy specials. Like, yeah. there are so many comedy specials on Netflix, and it seems like the kind of comedy specials that used to be on HBO are now uh -huh. being made for Netflix. Have you watched many of those? I've watched a handful of them. Comedy specials are not my thing. Like, I have to be in a very, very special mood to watch comedy stuff. And the only one that I can really think of off the top of my head that I watched that was even remotely memorable was Donald Glover Weirdo, because I love Donald Glover. He was uh, 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 Troy on Community, if any of you guys have watched it. He was the one where people were talking about he should play Miles Morales in a new Spider-Man movie, which he's actually doing an animated Miles Morales. Alice, I think where they had him voicing it in an episode or something like that. There was something I read about it, but um, he is hilarious that I just love him. So when I saw that there was a comedy special that was a Netflix original, we jumped on it and watched it. But for anybody else, I really can't remember any of the others that we've watched. They're just not my thing. Yeah, and I just I wanted to mention it again because it kind of shows the breadth of content they're going after, right? They have reality TV, they have comedy specials. I mean, I've watched some of them with my wife, and you know, if it's a person that you like their comedy, then it's good, and if not, then it just doesn't click with you. But there mm -hmm. are a ton of them, and that's the point: is they keep churning out all this content, so it's inevitable that they will hook you with something. And I think for mm -hmm. you and I, it's it's much more about the dramas and yeah things along those lines so i was gonna ask you i know you've watched kimmy schmidt and i haven't watched anything about it but i, I think you oh, really like it yeah oh i love it i love it so much it's one where when it comes out they release netflix originals on fridays we watch those we watch kimmy schmidt immediately it is the one that we know when it comes out we are watching it that friday night and we probably finish it on saturday morning that we binge it it is just great we are huge tina fey fans so we pretty much watch anything that she touches and kimmy schmidt was developed initially for network tv which is why the first season feels kind of i don't even know what the word uneven is probably the best way to put it the first season feels uneven because they took a network show that was going to be developed as a broadcast network i want to say abc or nbc sitcom and when they didn't pick it up netflix did and so there's a bit of uneven comedy in it but it works so well that it is just it hits those absurd levels but also just it's just hilarious it's just funny and i love ellie kemper she is hilarious as, as kimmy and just She's great. Like, everything about the show is perfect for me. And we go around singing the theme song pretty much year-round. Okay, I, I still want to give that one a try. From what I know, I don't think it's my kind of show. But I've heard so Probably many good not. things. Yeah, I've heard so many good things. I got to at least watch the pilot or something for that. Um, yeah. one, one that I know that we both like is Fuller House. For its, and, it's just ridiculous. Like, yeah. 
It's um, a terrible show. It yeah. is a show that under no circumstances should exist, and no one should have greenlit it, and it should not be making money, but it is a fun show that is good to watch, and it's comfort TV in its most perfect form for people our age. You know, you go back to TGIF with Full House, and it just reminds you of sitting on a sitting on your couch as like an eight to ten year old watching DJ and Stephanie do their thing and Michelle do catchphrases and Fuller House is a 90s sitcom made for Netflix that is objectively bad and subjectively fan friggin tastic. Yeah, really the only people that are the target demographic for it are people our age. It's like if you were a TGIF kid and you watched the original Full House, then you should definitely give it a shot. Everybody else is not a good fit for this show. Like I tried showing it to my kids just because I was curious. They didn't care at all. My parents who watched these things with us when we were kids, they didn't care at all. Like it was it was only my wife and I are the only ones who I know who have liked it. And my six year old nephew loves it. He made my wife, he found it on Netflix, he watched it and loved it so much that he made my wife come over for a premiere party with him the day after it came, the season two came out to watch episodes of Fuller House before she was able to watch them at home because he wanted to experience Fuller House with his aunt Jennifer at the same time for the first time. Wow, like, that's cool. He loved it. Like he fell he fell truly in love with Fuller House and which kind of astonishes me. I don't know if he has the how much context he has. He doesn't have as much as, you know, you and me and our wives do, but he has some and he just loves it. And it surprises me that your kids don't. I wonder if you showed them Full House first if they saw that and then moved into some of Fuller House if they would appreciate it more. I don't maybe maybe I just need to try when they're a touch older they might be a little young to get any kind of anything along these lines so yeah. maybe I'll try to get in another year but yeah. yeah he's six so I mean there's a little bit of a difference there yeah um okay I was gonna talk to you about chef's table have you yeah. seen that or watched it I've seen some of it I haven't watched all of it but I lo- I love food documentaries I just I just lo- I love food okay just all just straight up I love food Food movies, food shows, anything like this, I'm all about. And probably not having cable, the worst part about it is not having Food Network. So we end up actually buying on Amazon occasional like seasons of Food Network shows, which is weird, I'm sure, to some people. It's like, what's wrong with you people? But Chef's Table is great, but I have to be in a mood for Chef's Table. Yes, Because it's not a fun show to watch, but it's a great show. Yeah, it's if you're in the right mood. And the thing is, like, I went into it thinking it was um, something like you would find on Food Network that's mm-hmm. more of a reality show or, like, following someone around on their, like, food journey or whatever. Yeah, that's what and, I thought it was going to be, the yeah, food journey kind of thing. I thought it was kind of, of like that. Like, it was going to be very lighthearted, very, like, almost you can have it on while you're doing other stuff. But mm-hmm. Chef's Table is almost like having a mini documentary every single episode about a specific chef or style of cooking or history yeah. of like one thing. So you have to be almost in like the documentary mood for it. But yep. if you are in the right mindset for like a documentary about food or about like one specific chef and their style and their story, it's really, really good. So beyond that, I was going to ask you about Stranger Things, because it's one that I tried and I immediately realized it was not my kind of genre. But you watched it, right? I tried. I got as far by the. okay. I know you told me that you got what? Ten minutes into it, maybe? Uh, Maybe 20. But yeah, not I didn't even finish an episode. I just I could 
I knew that it wasn't for me. By the time you realized it wasn't for you and you bounced off of it, I was committed to watching the entire season within a week. That I just I think I watched it within a few days, honestly. But it is straight up what I love. That I I fell in with it. I loved it. I was a cliche of everybody else when it came to uh came to watching Stranger Things. Like it's super good. If you like horror, if you like that kind of 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 almost geeky show, like it was presented as a geeky sci-fi horror. And I didn't see nearly as much geeky stuff as other people did. It's like, yeah, there's some Dungeons and Dragons references and there's a little like I don't I didn't feel as though it was catering to the geek community as much as other people did. It's just very surface level geeky stuff to me where it's like, oh, yeah, there's Dungeons and Dragons. Now let's move on and get to the story. And but, but you still like fantastic. Story, right? Oh, I love the story. I love okay. everything about it. Like, it's great. Like, I'm not even complaining about it, but it was just marketed differently to me. And despite that, I loved it because I didn't feel as though that marketing worked. Cool. And that's one that like I saw blow up like everybody was talking about it for yeah. like a good two or three weeks there. Right. As it as, mm-hmm. I don't think it got a lot of buzz like right when it released. I think it was kind of um, a slow ramp up over the first week or two. Yeah, as it was people a slow burn out. on this one. Yeah, it wasn't one that they pushed really hard. It was just one that people found and it snowballed from there. And now I know that they picked it up for season two, maybe even more than that. Yep. So I'm glad that they're making things like this is kind of like our rogue one discussion i'm glad they're making mm-hmm. things even if i don't like them that a lot yeah. of other people like because it means they're doing something right and eventually they're going to make something that's niche enough that i just love it that other people don't care for it at all and that's fine which which is probably kind of like the crown it's not my kind of show it will be interesting and i will watch it whenever jennifer and i decide to but it's not something that i have to rush out and see immediately like you did and see, yeah, The Crown was totally my kind of show. It's, and I don't know why it appeals to me. I just, I like that kind of show. I liked Downton Abbey. If you like Downton Abbey at all, you will like The Crown. But this is more, like, historically accurate. It's about the queen and the royal family and the transition of power between, like, the king before her into her becoming queen and all the steps along the way and, like, how she has to balance being a person with being a wife, with being a mother, with being the queen and the figurehead and the head of the church and the head of the state and all of these things at the same time. It was just endlessly fascinating to me, and I immediately wanted season two. The Crown is probably one of my favorite things that's come out of Netflix originals. Um, And that's saying a lot, given how much they have. I mean, it's new, and for a long time, they were, everyone was successively better, which cannot keep up. That, like, that, that level of progression can't keep up. But because this one's so new and there's been such great stuff in the past, that really amazes me that this is one of your favorite ones that The Crown yeah. is. I, I mean, I would say I like it as much as I like the Netflix MCU, but. Wow. In very different ways. I mean, of course, you yeah. know, they're such different types of shows. You wouldn't ever like stack them up on a list together about in a genre because they're not in the yeah. same genre. But I, I would like it just as much as I like those, I think, you know, if I step back and really try to give it some thought. But yeah, The Crown is yeah. fantastic. I totally recommend it. Um, And, that, uh, you know, that I want to go on a tangent right there. That's one just for a second, because that is something that a lot of people don't get, that you can like more than one thing equally, that it doesn't have to be you, that even though they're so different, they can be equal and you can love the MCU and you can love the crown for completely different reasons but it doesn't it doesn't make either of them if you say that you like the crown more than you know Luke Cage that doesn't mean Luke Cage isn't fantastic it means that there are different 
things that you're approaching that both of them approach that that draw you in and that just means you're a well-rounded viewer and it means that like you said Netflix is doing something so well that it can draw in all of these different kinds of interests into different genres and appeal to everyone across a spectrum because yeah. not all of us just love comic books you know unless we're rob that's different no <laughs> rob loves everything and uh yeah no i i totally get what you're saying you're you're right and i'm glad they're making such different shows out there too like i mean orange is the new black have you seen that at yeah. all i thought i was gonna hate it okay when it when it was being announced I'm like this is not my kind of show jennifer started watching one episode because we had heard good things and i sat down with the pilot and i was like oh this is awesome let's watch all of it so we watched the entire first season the second season came out and we were like everybody else and we just loved the first season second season wasn't that great i didn't like it nearly as much it and eventually it got to the point where i really 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 enjoyed it and then when the third season came out i loved the second one eventually liked it invested in those characters i still haven't seen the third or fourth seasons of it it's just like it's it's good it's there I just don't care about it anymore. Yeah, I think I had the same arc as you. I I liked the first season a lot. My wife and I watched all of it together. And then we got to the second season and we watched some of it. And then I kind of was like, you know, you can finish this without me. And she did. And yeah. she's she still likes it enough that she has watched every season as they came okay. out. Um, but it's not something that she doesn't love it to the point where the second it comes out, she has to watch it all the way through, you know? Yeah, not so at it's, all. It's turned into one of those shows, which honestly, like House of Cards is like that for me, too, which is sad to say, because the first two seasons of House of Cards are amazing. Like I got you- obsessed with like I went crazy for the first two seasons, like ob- obsessive, crazy, like all I wanted to do was watch that show. Like I didn't want to do anything else with my free time other than watch House of Cards. OK, so you did watch them. I didn't know that. How yeah. much have you watched? Where did you stop? I- I stopped at season three. I've watched season three. Well, I guess I've watched through season three and I stopped at season four. And the only reason I haven't watched season four, the only reason is because the primaries were ramping up. Politics was getting very heavy and I could not stand to put myself through that emotional roller coaster in real life. Yes, I really liked House of Cards because like the West Wing is one of my favorite shows and the West Wing is almost like a fantasy of how good politics could be. Yeah. And like how perfect it could be, even if you disagree with other people's points of view. And House of Cards is like the inverse. It's like how bad politics could be yeah. in, in this really like dark and twisted way. And I haven't watched any of it in our current political climate. So I don't know if I'd feel yes. the same way. But as of, you know, three years ago, four years ago, whenever they started with House of Cards, uh-huh. it was such a like interesting look at how bad politics could be in a compelling way and now where we're sitting in the political landscape of our times that doesn't sound like as interesting as it used to it it doesn't and that was that's exactly why i haven't seen season four i just couldn't bring myself to do it and that's all i do that with tv a lot though i mean if it is hitting on current social issues i don't i can't bring myself to surround myself in my entertainment with that kind of not depravity with that kind of just heavy seriousness when jennifer and i were planning our wedding we were you know any of you guys out there who have planned a wedding know the stress that comes from it and we were planning our wedding in three months we decided to get married fairly quickly we got married on halloween we got engaged in july so we were we were playing this out very quickly and so we were also at the same time watching battlestar galactica 
I'd seen it before and Jennifer had not. I was sharing this with her and we got to the very, we watched the miniseries and it was lovely. Like we, we got through it. It's great. You guys know that that first uh, sci-fi miniseries that led in is, is just awesome. We got to the, the first episode of the actual series. I think it's called Water and we could not watch past that because it was so serious, so heavy that the destruction of humanity with a whiteboard counting down as people died with the stress that was in our life from planning a wedding. We we're like, we can't do this. This is too much stress. This is making me tense. Oh my goodness. Wedding. And then the destruction of humanity, it all feels exactly the same. And we just stopped. And that's kind of how I feel with house of cards. I was like, the world's exploding on television and around me. I'm not doing this. Yeah, and I will say the first two seasons of it were excellent. Um, season yes. three really definitely sagged in terms of pacing and story yeah. and all that stuff, where I know a lot of people fell off from it. I went through, I've, I'm currently up to date, and around halfway okay. through season four, there's an event that happens, and it gets really, really good again all the way through the end. Okay. Um, but again, you kind of have to push through season three and the first part of season four to get to it. So, um. I don't know. I don't I don't know with the current politics and everything if I highly <laughs> yeah. recommend this one, but you know, you probably have a feel for it from what we've just talked about, so you'll know if that one's for you or not. I did want to talk about a couple that I haven't watched much of. I've just tried and they weren't for me, but they were interesting. Yeah. So have you seen Marco Polo or Sense8 or Bojack Horseman? I've, I've not tried Marco Polo or Bojack Horseman. Okay. I know Bojack Horseman will interest me when I get around to it. I like absurd cartoons. I've heard good things about it. I like it whenever I sit down to do it. It's yeah, kind of like Archer for me. I think it's like a dark comedy cartoon type of thing. From what I've tried, yeah. I, I watched like an episode or two, and I, it wasn't my thing, but a lot of people really like it. And Marco Polo, I haven't, I haven't watched. It's kind of my thing. I've heard it compared to Game of Thrones in terms of just scope and the 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 style of narrative they're trying to tell but i haven't seen any of it if you know if i haven't finished game of thrones at this point i'm not starting marco polo yeah so marco polo is one that i really wanted to like and i eventually just fell off of it it i i love the idea of it and the scope of it and the setting and the setup like all of it was great it was just the actual style of the execution and the pacing mm. of the story, it was too slow for me and it made it feel boring, even though they had all of these interesting things around it that could have been interesting. Maybe I should give That's it another try, but I don't know. I mean, I've heard mixed things about it, so maybe I'm not that far off from what most yeah. people think. But yeah, I, I just know it's another big one that they've made. It kind of reminds me of Rome on HBO, where I love the idea of it. I love the first few episodes of it, and then I just lost interest. I get to the exact same point every time I try to watch that show, and I think it's like four episodes in, and I just it just loses me. And that's kind of what I feel like Marco Polo will do, too. It'll be interesting for a little bit, and then I'll just fall off because it's not something I am fully invested in going in. And that was Sense8 for me also. It was one mm. where people say eventually there's a really good payoff to it. But right. the few episodes I watched were just extremely slow. Nothing made sense. Nothing was explained, which I guess is the appeal for some people. But right. for me, I was just like, this is boring. It's random. Nothing is whatever. I give up. That was kind of how and I felt. It's kind of how I felt, too. I've only seen the first episode. And I liked the first episode. My wife 
hated the first episode. And because of that, we were watching something else at the time when it came out. And I don't remember what it was. And we decided I convinced her to try Sense8 because I was excited about it. And I haven't gone back to watch any of the rest of it because I really like the actors. The main actor, I can't remember his name, anything at all. I think he plays a cop in this one. He was on Stargate Universe and I really liked him on there. So I wanted to watch him on this and I like him in Sense8. But I just had, and I like the Wachowskis, and I just haven't gone back to watch it yet. I know I'm going to like it eventually, and it's, it is absolutely my kind of sci fi show that I love the idea and how it's going about it. I just haven't made the time for it. I don't, I mean, even after watching a couple episodes, I still don't understand the premise. It's like a bunch of people telepathically connected, maybe, or something. Is that yeah. right? Okay. I, I think so. That that's that's why I like it. I like that kind of ambiguity on what's going on because I think that's what's going on, but at the same time, maybe not. Yeah, and I want to know what it is. I'm okay with ambiguity sometimes, but when I don't even know the premise of your show after watching multiple episodes, like that's that's not good. Yeah, I mean for I me, see that. for me anyway. Um, okay, so a couple more that I've seen that I don't know if you have. Did you watch Master right. of None? seen maybe the first four or five episodes of it it's great it's hilarious love aziz ansari can't remember why i stopped watching it okay it was something that we watched it was hilarious and then one day we didn't watch it anymore and moved on to something else and we we've even said to ourselves because you know you guys if you haven't guessed jennifer and i watch a whole lot of tv together and we just haven't gone back to it i like it we liked it we've talked about it going back and watching it just hadn't done it yeah my wife and i watch all of it together and we really liked it it's definitely targeted towards like late 20s early 30s like definitely our demographic our age group Mm -hmm. and it's kind of just about our place in the world when you are this age and just living life and the things that you run into um it's almost a show about nothing but not really it's kind of about being our age in the time that we live in but it also happens to be a comedy and it also happens to be um like he's the son of immigrants and one of his friends is the son of immigrants so there's some of that in it too which i thought was really Uh interesting just because it's totally outside of my day-to-day perspective like i love getting new perspective like that that isn't just another you know white guy on the screen um yeah so yeah but do you have a better way to describe it than i Uh, just did not not really. That's kind of how it feels to me, too, that that's what it, it is to me. And Aziz Ansari, to be, you know, not be this white protagonist that we're used to seeing in everything, even to show the racial diversity, brought in his own parents to play his parents on the TV show here. So rather than trying to hire some ethnically diverse actors and try to point it out to Hollywood, he just brought in his own parents. And I love that. That, that you see them interacting and that it's fun. His mom is a terrible actor. His mom is just so bad. And it is so funny that it works out so well. Like, I just love it. I didn't even I know just, that. That's funny. That's yeah. really good. Yeah, that's why if you go back and watch, you should go back and watch some of the episodes no, I can with his see, parents. I mean, just in them. thinking back now that you've said that, I can see how it would be. But I, mm-hmm. I didn't even think about it the first time through. So that's that's really cool. Yeah, I like that. That's that's the kind of thing like he wanted to make this show for a reason. And like you said, that was one of the big reasons to make this show. And he did it so well. That's one of the reasons I want to go back and watch the rest of it is to see where it goes. Just hadn't done it yet. Cool. And then how about Grace and Frankie? Have you watched that? No, we again talk about it. 
wonderful things. Everyone says wonderful things about this show. It is our kind of show, and we've just been caught up with other things because we don't watch nearly as much TV as we used to. Okay. Yeah, I I, li- I really liked the first season. I didn't know what I was going to think about it going in. The premise is basically there's two couples that are kind of the main characters, so four main characters, and they're older. They're in their 60s, 70s, like late 60s, 60s? early 70s, yeah, something like there. that. Yeah, and they're long-term friends. The two husbands are business partners and have been for their entire careers, and you know they both have families that are grown up and moved out, all that kind of stuff, and the two men tell the wives that they're actually gay and in love. Oh, didn't know that. And that they want divorces from their wives. So it becomes these four people who know each other very well because they've had entire lives together, you know? And it really becomes about the two women. And they move in together during the course of this because, you know, they have to figure out the houses and how do you do the divorce with all the assets and all that kind of stuff. And no one is like mean or spiteful or anything they've all had this like lifelong relationship the four of them so it's about the shift in what's happening but really what it is i think at the core is about like these two women in their late 60s early 70s that have a relationship together and how they kind of how that comes about and what happens throughout the course of their relationship but yeah it deals with a lot of like family things it deals with like family dynamics and how their kids react and just all the changes that come with that but also sometimes it just deals with things about being older which is again it's interesting because it's not the typical young white guy on screen it's it's older people and it's a bunch of actors that you would know that are really good too like all of them i'm horrible with actor names but if you go look it up the four main actor actresses they're all really really good and really really famous yeah i want to say i think it's lily tomlin is one of the main characters and like it seems so good like it is the kind of show that we want to watch and jennifer when it came out was talking about how how good it was supposed to be and we just need to sit down and watch it yeah it's just i I like how they're doing so many different things on Netflix that even if you try something and it's not for you, there's yep. so much else out there. Like I like I said, I Googled this before we did this episode. I found a list of all of the Netflix originals and I was overwhelmed. <laughs> like I did not realize how many there are because I had only ever really browsed like inside of Netflix where it tries mm-hmm. to show you the ones it thinks that you're going to like, but it doesn't ever give you the full list, the full rundown. If you go look yep. it up on like Wikipedia, there's just there's so many shows now. Yeah, I haven't looked up the entire list because it was kind of the same way with you. I think I might be a little overwhelmed. Cool. So overall, we like Netflix originals. We're going to keep watching. We'll watch for new stuff. Uh, I guess what's your most anticipated next one coming out? Oh, goodness. Maybe Stranger Things season two or probably The Punisher. Those are the ones I'm looking the most forward to. Although, you know, if I'm going to be completely honest, give me Fuller House season three. That's (laughs) honestly thinking out out of it the others would be great to have but if you put out a new season of fuller house every month or so i would probably be happier than any of the rest of them combined just because of how much i like watching silly shows like that yeah that's honest though that's fine um for me it is i think it's got to be the crown season two above anything else and then right underneath that would be um all the the netflix mcu stuff i'm excited for defenders i'm interested to see how iron fist turns out i'm very excited for the punisher but yeah, I think above any of that, I really want The Crown Season 2. That's the one that I'm most pumped for. Awesome. 
Cool. Uh, with that, our geeky offer of the week is Audible, like it often is. So you can go to audibletrial.com slash geek to geekcast and get a free book, just a free audiobook, anything you want to listen to. I would recommend, like I talked about last week, Red Rising. It's one of the best sci-fi books that I've listened to in the past, I don't know, couple years. And part of that is that wow. the different casts and the cast system of the book have different accents. So it's a really, really good one to listen to because it actually adds something to it. Whereas sometimes the narrator is just a good narrator, but sometimes it really adds something and it transforms the book into a new medium. And I thought that was the way with Red Rising. So I would recommend Red Rising. Again, you can go to audibletrial.com slash geek to geekcast And with that, it's probably time for our weekly geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. What do you got this week? You've been sick. Uh, What have you been doing? I've been sick, so I've kind of been on the couch a lot doing, you know, lots of geeky things. Um, I've been playing Marvel Future Fight even more. So that's interesting that a mobile game has kept me playing it for, I want to say this is week three. And I've been playing it every single day. I like it a lot. Um, Beat them up you know, arcade style superhero game, but I really like playing it. I get to be Spider-Man or Spider-Gwen or Kamala Khan, like super fun. Uh, if you guys haven't tried it, go, go try it. It, it can be pay to win, but it's also, it's also good to be free to play. It just takes longer to do as, as is typical. Um, I also played that company. Netmarble is the company who made it, and I played their new game that came out, I want to say this week. If not, I heard about it this week, called Star Wars Force Arena. Have you played it? Uh, no, I saw it, and I almost downloaded it, but it looked like one of those games where I would play it for a week and then be done with it forever. Yeah, I'm kind of not into it anymore. Like, I played it pretty good for a day or two, and it's a MOBA-style real-time strategy game where it's not quite a MOBA, it's not quite a real-time strategy, and it's not quite a deck-building game. Your abilities are in the form of decks, and you open packs of cards, and you you make your, like, five- or six-card deck that you upgrade the cards uh, by opening new packs and get more powerful just not for me. I'm not a huge MOBA fan, as those of you who are, you know, constant listeners have have figured that out, but I like them well enough. And this one, it's just too generic. Every map is exactly the same in the same layout. It's just like Hoth and Endor and Tatooine. They look different, but the lanes are exactly the same. So it just gets really boring to me. And if they're not exactly the same, you guys, I haven't noticed a difference yet, which is bad. So... You can try it, play it for a couple of days. It's fun because I got the uh, the Rebels uh, Grand Inquisitor, and he's fun to go around with and slice up some Rebel Troopers, and then I'm probably going to delete it off my phone soon. Or since I got a new phone with lots of storage, leave it on there until I need it. Um, outside of that, I started Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. again. I fell off of it really hard, and I started Season 3 and binged, I want to say, seven episodes in one day. The first seven episodes uh, while I was lying sick one day working on writing okay, and so had it on is, in the background. How's Season 3? Because that's right where I stopped. I gave up. I pushed through Season 2 because people kept telling me it would get better, and it never really right. clicked with me, and I just never even started Season 3. I really like season three that I didn't think I was going to because I did the same thing you did with season two. I bounced off of it. It was good enough, but it wasn't good enough to keep me going into season three. I like season three. It's not something I've picked back up. I'm going to wait until I'm working on my couch needing to uh, have something on in the background again. I don't think I'm going to focus too much on it solo. Like it's not going to take all of my attention. 
but they've done good things with it where the characters are getting to the point where it's not the same old, same old dynamic. They're dealing finally, finally with a lot of the issues that they've brought up in the first two seasons with like Fitz and Simmons. They do some really cool stuff with uh, Hydra and show more history of Hydra and what's going on with it and bring in some other characters. Um, Like I said, I'm a little bit now, I'm a little bit past the mid-season finale and it's interesting that I will probably watch season four when it gets on Netflix. I'm not going to keep up with it week by week because they're still airing right now, but when it gets put on put on Netflix this fall, I'll probably watch season four because I'm, for the first time in my comic reading career, interested in the Inhumans. And that is saying a whole lot because they've always seemed just kind of a Walmart brand X-Men. Yeah, and see, this is, it's the only part of the MCU that I'm not caught up on. And that kind of bugs me as a completionist. Like, I, I almost want to sit down and power through it. The other thing is that I know that they start to do inhuman stuff and i i yes. saw a little bit of that but not a ton in season two and um yeah i know that it's leading up to an inhumans movie that's probably coming out eventually mm-hmm. that might turn into a tv show which is a whole nother thing that i might yeah. want to get into so i don't know i i might pick up this one eventually but i just season two turned me off that show so much the inhumans are more interesting in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now than they have ever been in the comics to me, if that means anything at all to you, since you haven't read as many comics. It does. I mean, that's saying something, at least, about it. Yeah, and speaking of Inhumans, it got me interested enough to read Civil War 2, since I've got Marvel Unlimited, and I picked up the rest of Civil War 2 and read it. So I'm completely through it. I've read the spinoffs that I wanted to. I read the New Avengers and most of the, the Ms. Marvel tie-ins with it and it it centers on inhumans as well it's the comics inhumans obviously civil war 2 was a comic arc that came out uh uh, started doing about six to eight months ago and it's really good like it is very well written i think it's more interesting than civil war one overall that it was I like what they did with Civil War 2. They they handled it very, very well, and its aftermath is still going in the current run of comics right now. And since it's Inhumans-based, it made me see a little bit more into that particular part of the Marvel Universe than I'd seen before. And I really, really enjoyed Civil War 2 going in with the Inhumans. I still don't like the Inhumans characters, though. Like, people seem to really love Medusa, the queen of the Inhumans, and... I think she's boring that I like the teleporting dog Lockjaw and how she did that with uh, Kamala in uh, in the Ms. Marvel comics. But as far as the Inhumans themselves and Medusa, I just still don't care a lot about, but I'm more interested in them than I ever have been. And I think that's because of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, also just caught up with all of the amazing Spider-Man, the 2015 run after Secret Wars, all the stuff that's on Marvel Unlimited right now. And... You know, have you read any of this? You know, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. No, I, I think I read all of that run last time that I had Marvel okay. Unlimited, and I was caught up with it. So um, I'm probably a few months behind now, but I read okay. a ton of it, yeah. I have to ask you a question about this then, just to see if it is me as a Spider-Man purist, if I am nerd raging on this, or if, you know, I'm just being kind of sensitive because of nostalgia. What do you think about Peter running Parker Industries? I thought it was fine. It was whatever. It's it's just a new setting. Yeah, it didn't bug me at all. I did, I, I honestly, hate that he has a spider mobile. I honestly didn't even give it a second thought. 
Really? Yep. Okay. See, I was curious. That I thought it might be me. I thought it might be me being overly sensitive about it because I love Spider Man so much. But to me, having the Spider Mobile and all these Batman style gadgets just kind of took away from it for me. And it, it, I like the scrappiness of Spider Man, which is what I'm looking forward to in Homecoming. So reading it, super interesting. Dan Slott does great things with the story, and I, I'm caught up now with the first three storylines in it, and it's great. Like it's well written, but I, I feel like it's missing something because he's not as scrappy as he was before. Uh, I could see that as someone because you're so into Spider-Man. But like for yeah, me, I'm, it was it was like, OK, well, Peter's in a different setting, whatever. Yeah. And I love Peter. Like I love Peter more than I love Spider-Man. So that was part of it. Like I got put off on reading Spider-Man years ago when they split him and MJ up. And that made me stop reading it and giving Marvel money for probably the last 10 years. And and yeah, that that is that is neither here nor there but i like peter and so for them to do that from peter it's like hmm. they call him in the in the early on they call him the poor man's tony stark which kind of just doesn't even feel like peter to me yeah i do remember that i like i said i was fine with it okay i want to know you listeners i want to know what you think about that let me know i want to know what you think about the new spider-man run cool um for me i played a little bit more stellaris which did i talk about that last episode yeah. Oh, I don't know if you talked about last episode because I know you and I have talked about it, so I can't remember. Uh, I don't think I did. I think I forgot, even though it might have been in my list. Um, Stellaris is a 4X game, which is the genre of game that I always think I'm going to like, and then I buy, and then I don't like it. And yeah. so I, I tell people to talk me out of it every time I'm thinking of buying one. But it was on sale, and it was Steam, and it, I had time over the break, so I picked it up. And it's good. Like, the... The thing is, the opening game, the early game, is really, really good. And then there's this point in the mid game where it totally stalls out. And I Aww. talked to a bunch of people who have played it who told me that they liked it. And every one of them said the same thing. So Aww. there's enough. No, but see, here's the thing. It's made by Paradox, who they make games where they keep expanding them. So okay. they, they make a really good core of a game, and then they add on to it over time. And some of them will be free, because that's just the way that they are, and then some of them will be paid expansions. And I am confident that they are going to patch in enough mid-game over time that it's going to be probably one of my 4X favorite games of all time. It's just wow. not there yet. Like, the, But the early game is so good, and I've heard that the late game can be really good. But the mid-game, once all the borders are established, you've kind of pushed out your alien species as far as you can go. All of the borders bump into each other, and then you're just kind of stuck unless you want to do war. And I'm not a person who does war very much in 4X games. Yeah. I have much more fun going for, like, cultural victory or, like, assimilating other cultures or making um, a faction that goes together or doing the politics behind it or espionage or trade. Some of that's in the right. game, but a lot of things are not. Like, there's no really good... Um, like trade empire economy way to win the game there's no good like espionage in it at all there's some like diplomatic things but it really feels like they could add on to it but the thing is with a paradox game i know that they will add on to it so okay stellaris is a game that i have played the opening part of three or four different games now and each one of those was probably four or five hours so i put a lot of time into this game like 20 ish hours i would say okay yeah and i had so much fun in that early game every single time so now uh it's sitting there it's on steam it's installed on my computer i'm gonna wait and there will be an expansion at some point that i'll get and it'll be great again for that mid game which is astonishing to me with you doing this because you're always like stop me from buying this 4x game and i'm like stop buying 4x games and you're like but i bought this one without telling you and that's your voice by the way i could tell and i'm glad that this one actually worked out for you instead of being like i shouldn't have bought that 4x game 
Yeah, I really like this one. So I'll, I'll give it some more time. Um, I watched the Acquisitions Inc. Holiday Special, which Acquisitions Incorporated is one of the D&D live play things that I keep up with. They started out as a podcast, and it's the Penny Arcade guys. So they turned it into um, a live play game in front of a crowd, and they started doing that at PAX, and they filmed it, and then they would upload it to YouTube. And these days, they stream every time they do it. And then this last year, they also added a full like campaign leading up to their big like it's usually a big set piece event at pax you know okay. where it's really really condensed but really good couple hours yeah. of dnd so this last year they released um they, it looked like they sat down for probably two days in a row and played through like a campaign arc leading up to their pax thing so that was really cool so this ties into all of the new things they've been doing with video they released a holiday special and it's enough of a standalone that you probably don't need it to go into the next stuff that they do with Acquisitions Inc. But if you already like Acquisitions Inc., you should watch the holiday special because it was good. And it's on, I think you pay like $5 on Vimeo or Amazon. But if you have Amazon Prime, it's just free. So I watched it that way because I have Amazon Prime. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. So that was pretty fun to watch through. I read through Silver Surfer at Rob from the Comic Box's recommendation. And actually, I'm going to be on the Comic Box. Uh, I think it's the episode coming out this week. It might already be out by the time you listen to this. And if not, it'll be out within the next day or two. So the comic box is one of our other podcasts on the network. And Rob covers comics every week. He does a fantastic job. And I he think really does. He has a co-host that might be semi-regular now, which he's excited about. But I went over there and I talked to him all about Batman, the Telltale game. So I kind of got yeah. his comic perspective on it. Um, so you guys should definitely go check that out if you haven't. But yeah, so Rob had recommended that I check out Silver Surfer, and I really like Silver Surfer. It's like a, I don't know if it's like a feel-good comic, but it's definitely not a super serious comic or dark or anything. It's Dan Plot, I believe, who I like from Dan other Slott. stuff. Dan Slot, thank you. Um, yeah, and he's the one who wrote Spider-Man. He's the one yes. who's working on Amazing Spider-Man right now, too. Yeah, and it's just a really good run. It was just fun. I knew almost nothing about Silver Surfer, and you don't really need to. You can just go into it and enjoy it for what it is. Have you read any Silver Surfer? No, stuff? I've not read any of it because I've never liked that aspect of the Marvel comics. But if it's really good like that and it doesn't take itself seriously, I'm into that kind of comic right now. Cool. And then I also watched Sherlock Season 4. Um, I finished it, and it's really good. And I still want you to watch Sherlock and then tell me what you think of it. But you've only watched the first episode, right? I've only watched the first episode. Oh, it's, man. I see why it's good. Just I just don't know if it's for me. Okay. And I want you to watch more and then report back, but I don't know if you're going to. That's okay. I don't know if I'm going to. Um, and then I also, it's not really a New Year's resolution, but I was just thinking about it. I don't really do resolutions like that, but I really want to work on revisiting stuff more this year. That I, okay. Because this is the first full year that i've had like my backlog basically cleared out and one of those first episodes that we did for the podcast was talking about my backlog system that helped me make it through all of these games and movies and shows and everything that i wanted to catch up on and i'm basically caught up and i have been for a few months i i just want to spend some time trying to figure out some of like my favorite things to go back and revisit so i already started doing that i'm going back and i'm rewatching movies that i really know that i like but i've only seen oh, once or twice okay. things like that and i know that i'm notoriously bad at replaying games and rewatching movies and rewatching tv so it's just something that i want to work on over the course of not even just this year but just going forward from now on so yeah i, I rewatched scott pilgrim and I love that movie. It's, oh, it's so good. It's so good on so many different levels. Um, and there's a couple TV shows that I'm probably going to rewatch and some movies 
also that I haven't gotten back to yet. But I just want to put that out there that I'm going to revisit some stuff that I already like going forward. Cool. I look forward to seeing that from you and hearing about that because, like you said, you don't do that very often, and it tends to be high praise when you do go back and watch something. So I want to know how a lot of this holds up if you think it's worth rewatching, and then it doesn't hold up. Yeah, we'll see because like my Final Fantasy playthrough of the whole series made me love Final Fantasy more. Whereas when I went back and played through all of the Zelda games, I liked them less. So it could go either way. We'll see what ends up happening. Um, My main geekery for the week has been the Nintendo Switch details. And uh, if you look at the show notes, I might have snuck it in here as a second bonus topic. Hey, look at that. I think you did. Hey, look, it's time for Void's Nintendo Switch Corner. Good Lord. It's time for Void's Nintendo Switch Corner. Um, BJ, don't look at this. Don't look at this. I'm going to teach you. You've been sick and you didn't have time to catch up on the news. So I get to talk about this and you can ask me questions. So the presentation and the details were announced um, about a week ago from when you guys are listening to this. It is going to be $300 in U.S. money. Look in your own region for your own money. Um, It has the console, the dock, the Joy-Cons, the cables, and then the little base pack thing that you can like clip the Joy-Cons into that turn it kind of into a controller. That's what's included okay. in the core bundle for the Nintendo Switch. I have one pre-ordered. I'm super excited about it. I know that I'm going to get my money's worth out of it. But based on the launch lineup and what it is and the price and stuff, um, I know a lot of people were hoping it would come in at 250 So I'm not yeah. surprised to see that some people are like, oh, I'm going to hold off. Like I totally now, when you get s- that. Now, when you say it's coming with Joy-Cons, is that one basically one controller that clips together, or is that two sets of two? Or is that one set of two? It is the one on each side of the console. So okay. an, enough to clip one onto each side and then take those two out and clip each of them into like one controller to play with. But it depends on the game. And you can play multiplayer with some games with just one half of that, right? Yes, exactly. So if you unclip the two of them, there are some games where you just hand... You know, one to one person and one to the other person, and you're good to go. So um, that's some of it. There is a neon coloring to it, which I don't know if you Mm -hmm. saw any of the images, but if you didn't, just Google Nintendo Switch neon really quick, BJ. Okay. Yeah, we get back into a browser. Let me know what you think of it, because my reaction was that each color individually is interesting and it could be cool, but the the actual set that they are selling that's neon controller is one With side the two is, controllers one side is blue and one side is red and it bugged that's me so the worst yeah it that, bugged that, me so no. much but there's a picture of them selling two blue ones together that i could see being awesome but having one red and one blue looks kind of dumb okay this is my reaction also I might eventually pick up two blue ones because the blue neon ones actually look like a pretty cool color. And I can see if you like red more than blue, the neon red ones look cool too. But having a different color on each side looks so dumb to me. I just, I didn't like it at all. I don't like it. Okay, good. (laughs) That's what I thought too. Um, The battery life for the Switch is two and a half to six and a half hours, depending on which game you're playing and like what settings you have for the screen brightness and all that kind of stuff. That's not that far off from a 3DS, honestly. Mm -mm. Um, It's not. The low end is a little bit lower than I would like to see. And I assume that's playing something that's stressing the system all of the way. Like I'm assuming that's like Breath of the Wild, maybe? That's what I'm thinking too. Yeah, like if you're playing the brand new Zelda, I'm sure they're pushing that system as hard as they can to show it off. So that's two and a half hours, which isn't a ton. But, you know, the upper end, honestly, like that middle 
is the exact same like middle point mm-hmm. about four hours with the 3ds because i think the 3ds is technically three to five hours this is 2.5 to 6.5 so you end up with about four hour average anyway which is most of the time yeah. i get about three to three ish hours on my 2ds so and i don't have one of the xl the two the 3ds xls or anything at home so yeah it's about normal i don't expect much more than that out of a handheld really <laughs> okay so the joy cons themselves they seem over engineered to me yeah. and i told you about this a little bit in text but it's like yep. it's like nintendo always has to get in their new gimmick right it's how much did this add to the price of the console each of yeah. those individual ones acts as a full motion controller that's better than the like Wii Nunchuck or not the Nunchuck, mm-hmm. but like the Wiimote Plus, right? Which was like a yeah. bunch of technology. So each of those is a better motion sensor than that was. Plus, the one of them has a built-in like amiibo scanner, and it has an IR sensor pointing out the back that can sense the shape of objects near it. So the example they said was if you hold your hand a couple, like a foot away from it or something, you could do like rock, paper, scissors, and it could tell which one of those your hand was doing. The That's ga- useful. Right. It's like the game I saw with it, 1-2 Switch, where they actually used it, was like you hold it up to your mouth and you open your mouth, and then it detects every time your mouth opens and closes while you eat imaginary sandwiches. It's like... That's the dumbest thing I've heard of all day. To be yeah. fair, it's early during today. So, you know, there's a there's a lot of time I can hear something dumber. But that's real dumb. Like, super dumb. Like, southern real dumb. Not even really dumb grammatically. That's real dumb. And here's the thing. A pair of those, right? You think you're picking up, like, a normal controller. Usually you can go and get a PlayStation or an Xbox controller. Like, the new modern complete one for 50 maybe 60 dollars at the upper end um depending on which one exactly you're grabbing a pair of joy cons is 80 dollars like uh and i buy aftermarket off-brand extra controllers generally because i can get them for 15 or 20 dollars i don't play that much multiplayer and so it's not worth the extra to me 80 bucks is just too much and this is one of the main things i want to talk about is that the peripherals really seem like a misstep from nintendo like the the console price being 300 instead of 250 like a lot of people thought i can see why and i can see why they justify it um and hopefully that doesn't hurt them long term i still think 250 makes them more competitive with ps4 and xbox one but i they they don't like to compete with them right they like to be their own thing that's different so 300 which has it's not ugh. out of the realm of possibility but like i think you were about to just say they need to be competitive they, yep. that, there's a reason that their stock keeps dipping and that they're not a major player in the console market right now so the peripherals are all really expensive the a pair of joy cons if you wanted a second one or you know you don't like the ones you got and you actually wanted matching neon ones a pair of them is mm-hmm. 80 dollars. the dock which is basically just a glorified like video output um and charging station $90 if you want a separate dock the pro controller which i absolutely want one of so when i'm sitting there playing it docked on my tv i can use like a typical you know controller which nintendo calls pro controller but the rest of us just call a controller that, <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry um that is $70 whereas so dumb i know it's like $20 more than either of the other competitors um someone on twitter told me you know, I was I was talking about the peripherals and I was like, I'd love a second dock. I would love a set of like a second set of Joy-Cons so I can play four player on day one. I really want a pro controller so I can kick back on my couch and play with a typical control. And they were saying, why don't you just buy a second switch at that point with the amount of money you're paying? Well, and yeah, it's actually not that far off. Like 
I I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't really want to buy two consoles on day one, but it's just something, it's an oddity to think about, right? And That's really weird. While we're talking about weird Nintendo decisions that shoot themselves in the foot, oh, if they could just do the thing that you anticipated, it would everyone would just be happy. But no, they have to yeah, be Nintendo. No, they have to be Nintendo. So here's Nintendo's weird online stuff that I needed to tell you about, but I held off because I wanted to hear your reaction. Okay. The online for nintendo switch so first off they're killing street pass and Miiverse or me okay. whatever the sharing thing is whatever i'm I, cool with that i've never once used it I'm, I'm fine with those no big deal but the new nintendo online service doesn't really have a name yet it is going to be free for a limited time so from the spring until the fall it is free but then you have to pay for it right what so it's how a paid, much have they said how much they have not said how much but you know you get the impression that they want to be something like you would get with games for gold on xbox or you know ps plus like hopefully okay. it's not that price but they haven't announced so we can't really speculate on that but it will be paid for right um Ugh. what you actually get for this you can play your games online so you can't just play for free anymore like you used to on you which, know mario kart or splatoon or whatever which that's one of the reasons that i don't like the current generation of consoles is paying for online access i generally don't want to do that because computers yeah yeah i know um okay so you have to pay to play anything online but you get a virtual console game once per month like a new okay it sounds like it might be a remastered virtual console game that's either an nes or a super nintendo game that now uh-huh. has online capabilities patched in in some way i don't know if that means leaderboards or multiplayer or yeah what they're gonna do but it sounds like okay here have a 20 year old game for the month but unlike yeah i mean unlike games with gold and unlike playstation plus you do not get to keep that game beyond the month so well, i thought that was the same with playstation plus too i thought with the free games they had that you lost access to it after the month as well no no if you download those games one time for playstation you have it forever as long as you have your subscription up to date like, oh, I didn't know that. See, I was under the impression that like if God of War 3 was free on PlayStation Plus in November, that you had it until December 1st. No. I didn't realize it was a forever thing. Yeah, you have it forever. As long as you have your subscription live and active, you have it forever. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah, if it's just for the month, then, I mean, it sounded typical for me. That sounded normal because of the way I understood it. But if it that's not the industry standard, then... Uh, Nintendo. It's not. I mean, you know, PlayStation gives you like at minimum three new games in a month, sometimes like six new games in a month, and you get to keep them forever. And, and sometimes they're is, indie games, sometimes they're small, but sometimes still. they're AAA titles. Right. But we're talking about Nintendo giving you one game that's potentially like 20 plus years old, yeah. and you get it for one month. And if you want it beyond that, you pay for it. Um, <sighs> and here's the thing that I thought was the dumbest. So the voice chat and party finding and like uh, multiplayer integration stuff that you would just expect, right? Make a party, get in a voice channel, make a group, invite people to come play with you, all of that. That is going to be done through a secondary app on your smartphone. It is not built into the console. How is that even what? I don't know. This is just Nintendo being Nintendo. If you want to do voice chat, you do it on your phone. And at that point, why don't you just pull up something else on your phone? Like call somebody the core functionality of your phone or get on Discord or get on Skype or get on any of the other services that are bound to be better than Nintendo's. Yeah, I mean, that's that's weird. That's what I was about to say. So you want to make a phone call? 
to other Nintendo players? I mean, I guess the only thing that I can think of is that you're already friends with somebody on Nintendo, which they've already made a terrible, terrible system for being friends on there. You can't just add a username. I mean, it's it's already a, a ridiculous system. It's Nintendo being Nintendo again. But a separate app for that? I mean, when, like you said, when there are so many different options already like making a phone call if you're going to do it with your buddies and just keep them on speakerphone that's uh nintendo so this is nintendo being nintendo again and i don't know how that's going to pan out for them the other thing is normally you have chat built into your system because you can put in headphones and it mixes the game audio with your chat audio Uh uh-huh but if you have headphones in from a secondary device how are you going to hear your game unless it syncs by bluetooth to your uh to your switch and imports the audio somehow which is super dumb it's just it's like this is a solved problem right why 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 are are you you making it more complicated yeah exactly okay so that's all the nintendo being nintendo stuff that i needed to get off my chest and i thought was ridiculous and i wanted to tell you because i knew you'd react (laughs) um yep (laughs) (laughs) i the launch games there are not a whole lot of games that are announced for launch um there's understandable yeah which isn't bad i mean it's some people are complaining but honestly if you look back at past console launches there are plenty of them that don't have very many games it's Mm -hmm. it's more the norm than having 20 you know like i think the wii or the wii one of those had like 20 games at launch that's atypical right this is more in line with it yeah five games ish maybe right so there's just dance there's a skylanders game um (laughs) exactly there's bomberman r or something like that which um i kind of went okay but i guess it's a big deal to bomberman fans because someone was saying there hasn't been a new bomberman game since like 2005 i believe yeah i was about to say it's a long time yeah but i don't play bomberman games so same here yeah yeah cool good well done whatever um and then there's one two switch so this is a game that okay this is nintendo being nintendo again i gotta talk to you about this (laughs) this looks like the version of you know how nintendo when they have gimmicks they have to show them off so they release a game with a console that uses every single one of the gimmicks that's built in Mm -hmm. and for the wii u that was nintendo land and for okay the wii that was wii sports right these were these games that they came packed in and they showed off all the capabilities of the system, even, like, there are things in Nintendo Land that no game after that ever used, but at least they were used... Really? Yeah, at least they were used in one game at one point by Nintendo just to show off they could, right? Because Nintendo loves their gimmicks so much. That is what And, you know, Wii Sports and all of those, those were great games. Like, those were honestly system sellers on the Wii for a lot of people to be able to play tennis and bowling and just the different, you know, all of that. I loved those. Playing pool, like... That's one of those packing games that I was really glad that they did because I had a lot of fun with that. And I know a lot of other people who did as well. I've never played any in Nintendo Land. I don't know anything about it. Okay, well, it, it's a similar idea. It's showing off the capabilities of the system, right, through right. mini games, things that don't take a whole lot of time. They don't have a whole lot of depth, but at least it shows off the capabilities. And right. they're fun in their own right. So 1-2-Switch is that, right? The the easiest example that they showed is that you give one Joy-Con to each player and you basically do a duel you look each other in the eyes so you're not even looking at the tv or your like console at all but the console like like says like ready set 
go. And then you both draw on each other and you have to like raise it up to a certain height because it has, you know, I guess a really good sensor system inside. So it knows when you're actually pointing at the other person and then you have to pull the trigger. So it's like a basic duel game, right? They had a a bunch of things like that where you are looking at the other player, like one-on-one doing some mini games with the Joy-Con. And they showed off all these different things about the Joy-Con. This is where that sandwich eating game came from where you put it in front of your mouth and you like try to eat a sandwich faster than the other person because the IR sensor detects how many you eat, how fast. Yeah, Yeah. super weird. So they're all head-to-head games. Most of the time they want you looking at the other person. There are some weird ones in there like milking a cow. Um, Mm. Oh, one of the things about the console that I didn't mention up top, I think I missed my bullet point, was that there's this new thing called HD Rumble that apparently lets you feel lots of... They, they said the example they gave is that like if you shake the control and you pretend there's like an ice cube in the control, you can feel one. And then if they change it to two, you could feel like two separate objects inside moving or three. You can actually feel like objects inside the controller via haptic feedback or something. I don't know. That's their selling am point, I the, right? Am I the only person in the world who, since the Nintendo 64 had the rumble pack, just does not care about controller vibration? Oh, I don't like, care. if. If there was none that had ever been created, it's like haptic feedback. I turn it off on my phones. I turn it off on everything else that I buy. And vibration in controllers is like, oh boy, something big and magical is happening on here. Let me shake this controller really hard in your hand so that you're aware that this mountain is breaking through the surface of the earth. It's like, cool. I'd, I'd way to waste some power. Yes, I I agree. I don't really care about Rumble either, but it is a selling point, so I should mention it because we're just covering everything here. So one of the games in One Two Switch is that you like you roll the controller around in your hand and you try to guess how many marbles are inside of it based on the HD Rumble. These I've are... just taken a drink and I almost spit all over my microphone when I laughed. Right. So these are funny, right? But these are also things that show off all of what you can do with the Joy-Cons, which is the entire point of the game. This is the game that you expect to be packed in with the system. It is not. It is not packed in. Why is it not? Guess how much money this game costs. I'm going to assume it's $29.99. You know, I was was thinking that Nintendo would do $10, $20 at the outside. It is a $50 game. Like, I, I don't even know... I'm blinking incredulously at the microphone right now, and I know you can't see that, but I hope that you can hear the incredulosity from my eyelids shutting slowly. Just So this is the game that should be a pack-in game that they're just they're sending it out there to die who's gonna buy this for fifty dollars it's it's a pack of mini games that should just come with it so i don't know that's a that's a really weird decision um they want fifty dollars for counting virtual marbles yeah i mean you got to count those virtual marbles but Mm. beyond that there's zelda i mean if you are buying this system on day one you are buying zelda that's what you're buying it for um you really are yeah, and like I'm looking forward to a bunch of games in the launch window, which is spring basically. But the only game that I will probably pick up on day one is Zelda, um, unless something crazy comes out with Bomberman. If it ends up being a really fun multiplayer game, I can play with my kids. Yeah, I could totally see that being good for uh, for a lot of people and being great. Yeah, and you know, even on day one, just as an excuse to use two Joy Cons to play a multiplayer game, Bomberman yeah. might be the one, you know, to get to play with my kids, stuff like that, or to try out. If I do end up getting a pro controller to try out all my controllers at the same time, 
it, boot up bomber man whatever you know um, sure but basically zelda i'm, I'm gonna buy it i'm gonna get zelda and then after that i'm just looking forward to the launch window games so there's a bunch of them i'm not gonna get in as deep as i got with this one with these games but there's i am Setsuna, which we already have on all the other systems yeah. there's sonic mania which is a new 2d sonic game it looks like it's going back okay. towards traditional sonic there's um Ooh. lego city undercover there's this game that i'm really excited about called has been heroes which I've heard of this. Maybe it was from you, but I've heard of it. Yeah, I think I texted you this and said, go look it up, because I cannot describe it with words. It's like a turn-based, but also real-time strategy game with lane-based combat in an adventuring party, but also like RPG elements to it. It's really, really weird, but really, really cool looking, and I want to see more about it after what I've seen so far. So has been heroes i'm I'm actually really excited for that game there's another one coming out right around launch called snipper clips it's like lining up two different shapes together it's like a two-player game so you and the other person okay. control different shapes and if you lay overlay them on each other you can hit a button to like cut out what you've overlaid so you can make different shapes based on the shapes you already have it's weird but it might be weird. interesting um yeah i could see how that would be cool yeah that's another one that's hard to describe with words but if you go look up snipper clips you'll see it and then Outside of that spring window, um, Mario Kart 8 is kind of still in there. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which that's honestly, that's a game that I'll pick up. I hope they give me discounts because I already own it on the Wii U. But it's like it's the perfect game so that if you're on the go and you have your Joy-Cons, you can just take them off and each player can have one and play Mario Kart together. I mean, it's Mario Kart. You know, everyone. That's awesome. Yeah. Everyone loves Mario Kart. So Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, it, it has everything in Mario Kart 8 plus all the DLC plus 16 new tracks and plus a handful of new characters and new carts too. Oh wow. So yeah, yeah that that's a that's a considerable upgrade. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if you haven't bought all the DLC, if you only bought that base game of Mario Kart, like this is going to have so much extra content. And even for people like me, I think I bought about half of what was available for DLC. Right. So, I'll get the rest of it plus 16 new tracks, plus new characters. Like this one it'll totally be worth it for me. But yeah, getting outside of that spring window, Splatoon 2 was announced um nba 2k 18 was announced uh skyrim is going to come out sometime in the fall the big one is super mario odyssey is coming out holiday 2017 which okay i'm super excited for that game i love mario games and then um yeah after all these have th- they announced much about mario odyssey in terms of what the gimmick in this one is going to be um it looked like they're going back to like mario 64 and mario sunshine where it's more of an open world to explore and less of a here's a level here's the next level type of thing okay cool Um, so it looked like it's back to a single player mario game and the gimmick looks to be you can throw your hat and do various things with your hat all right yeah um and then so these were the ones i pulled offline but i remember a couple other ones outside of this there's one called arms that looks fascinating it's almost like a new ip like splatoon was for the wii u okay this is one where you can like punch your arm out with the motion control but then you can also like tweak it midair with the gyroscope so it's almost like a punch out boxing game but from long distance with these giant extendable arms um all right i need to see more of it before i know what i think about it but that looks like one i might end up picking up if there's enough game to it you know if if it's only what they showed off like one versus one battles in competitive mode probably not enough for me but if there's more game to it that they just haven't shown yet, that could easily be one that I end up picking up. And then, yeah, yeah, there there are other games that are slowly coming out over time. Um, there was a new Fire Emblem, Fire Emblem Warriors, which I'm guessing is a Musu game, which is like um like a Dynasty Warriors, Hyrule Warriors 
that kind of thing, you know, where you just kill wave after wave of enemies. Yeah, and I just get really bored with that kind of game. Yeah, exactly. So, But, I mean, those are kind of all of the big ones from what they announced and then the next day or two, what came out after that. Here are all the games coming out, you know. Um, right. I'm trying to think if there were any other ones. Oh, there's a new Xeno blade xeno saga really you know blade 2 yeah yeah it, it didn't have a whole lot of information it was like a one minute video and then like xeno blade 2 and that was it but right. it's coming to the switch i guess well cool good awesome there you're kind of caught up now so for me um i pre-ordered it i knew i was gonna get it and i had the money put aside so i'm really excited for it despite some things with nintendo being nintendo um but i i also totally understand why most people would wait on it which I get it, you know, no big deal. So my criteria is generally like two games that I want to play on day one. So for me, Zelda is definitely one of them. And then depending on if they get moved to launch or launch window or whatever, um, has been heroes and then arms, you know, mm. um, I thought one, two switch would be one, but then I saw the price on it and no, no way. I'm not no. paying that for that game. And then longer term, I know I'm going to pick up Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I'm going to pick up Splatoon 2. I'm going to grab Super Mario Odyssey. These are all in the first year, so that makes it totally worth it to me. I might as well just get it day one and enjoy it right away. Um, I guess the other thing that I did want to talk about is I'm I'm just worried about that price point, $300 for the general audience. Because at that point, you're not competing with PS4 and Xbox One. Because that means walking out the door, it's going to be $360 to get the console and one game right Mm -hmm. and plus tax plus tax and if you look online right now you can find playstation bundles with a game or two for less than three hundred dollars so yeah i mean it's worth it to me because i love nintendo games i know i'm gonna get my money's worth out of it but for a general audience just seeing this on a shelf next to because it's going to be next to the ps4 and the xbox one i wonder how it's going to do long term i mean will it sell out on launch day probably maybe it's nintendo you know people are excited but how's it gonna look in six months or a year from now like are people still gonna be picking it up or is it gonna be the expensive one on the shelf yeah i mean at the price point right now i can't pick one up there is no way that i can drop four hundred dollars which is what it will be to get just a game and the console out the door with tax there's no way that i can do that what will probably happen for me because the games that i want are going to be mario kart 8 and mario odyssey and zelda and i can play mario kart 8 on the wii u i can get zelda on the wii u and there are all there are really really good mario games that i haven't played on the wii u so if i get another console this year it will probably end up being a refurbished or used Wii U for my wife and I to play, uh, for my wife and me to play at some point over the year if we decide to do that and have the extra money. It's it's just the more cost-effective thing right now in terms of the games that are available on the Switch. You also, did they announce anything about the new Pokemon game that they were going to be doing with uh, the third generation of Sun and Moon? No, that's rumored to be announced at E3 from some insiders. But again, that's just a rumor. It's just a leak. No official confirmation at all. Yeah, I mean, and that was one that I was thinking about. I mean, but you can already play it on current generations and Skyrim, which is a great addition to this. This is fantastic. I'm so glad it's there. I've played through Skyrim 
and a lot of people have, where I don't know how much of a selling point that is, other than, yeah, I haven't played it in a long time, this will be cool to carry Skyrim with me somewhere. That the price point and the launch games, as, as great as they are, they're not system sellers for me. Yeah, and I mean, the the system alone is kind of a system seller for me. I, oh, yeah, I, I totally get it. It's yeah. awesome for what it is. And But I know that I am not the general audience for this. I've owned every Nintendo console. Um, handheld gaming fits into my life really well with the age my kids are and my work life and everything. Like This being a portable console that I can then take home and dock, even though they want to sell mm-hmm. it the other way, they keep saying it's a home system that you can take on the go. It's not that for me. For me, it is a portable console that looks fantastic that I can also sometimes plug in and play on a big TV. Because that's yeah. the way that I'm going to use it. And it fits into my life right now really well. But that does not mean it's going to fit into everyone's life for the price that they're asking. Exactly. And that's that's okay. It's, that's Nintendo. But at the same time, we'll see how it does for the company. Because people have already seemed to like hate paying $10 for Mario Run, which I don't understand. But whatever because it's just a full game and i've enjoyed it a great deal and my family's enjoyed it but with people but with people complaining about paying ten dollars it makes me wonder how they're gonna be reacting to the switch yeah for sure so there i snuck in a second topic thank you for humoring me (laughs) um with that it's probably time to wrap up because i made us go way over time because i wanted to talk about nintendo um you can write to us with comments suggestions or feedback our email address is geek to geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on twitter at geek to geekcast we have our longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek to geekcast and if you want to get email updates about when our network's podcasts come out you can sign up at geek to geekcast.net and just tell us which shows you want to get emails about i blog almost daily at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grn mushroom that's green mushroom without the e's on twitter and i'm on twitter as at professor beach that's beach with two e's and i blog and occasionally podcast at geekfitness.net we've been void and beach with your geek podcast that'll do it for this week see you next week geeks bye geekies